Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hole Hockey. This is Chris, and today's co-host, Steve. Hey, how's it going, hockey fans? And you notice we were a couple goalies that have taken one too many pucks at the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. We mostly cover the National Hockey League, but we'll also discuss other happenings on the hockey world, so follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let us know what you think. Also, be sure to comment and share any hockey news highlights or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So to start off today's podcast... We are reintroducing our special guest, the now interim commissioner of the EOJHL, Matthew Couvret. Welcome back, Matt. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming back. And I guess it's going to be officially Sessions with the GM, Episode 2. I introduced you this time now as the interim commissioner of the EOJHL. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about your new temporary role? Absolutely. Uh, we uh, about a month and a half ago, we uh, we had some shuffling around at the uh, the executive board on uh, the league, and we had the uh, the commissioner at the time step down, and we uh, we did need somebody to uh, just take the, take charge for the time being uh, until we have someone new in place. And uh, the league had tapped me, and I said I'd, I'd be happy to uh, to take the reins for the time being. Um, just doing a bunch of clerical work, making sure everything's uh, moving forward, and uh, we're ready to start uh, once the lockdown in Ontario is over. Wow, especially at this time. I mean, not only do you have your own business and your own team, and you manage that team, now you had this added on. Um, I can imagine even with the the lockdown in Ontario at the moment, um, this keeps you pretty busy, doesn't it? Absolutely. There's a, there's a always coffee on at this house. Um, it's, uh, we, we work a lot, but it is fun. I mean, at the end of the day, we are, uh, we talk hockey for our jobs. So it is, it is a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of work, but at the same time, we, we love hockey. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's kind of a dream to be able to be doing this as, uh, as an actual employment. This is how bad are your yeah, how about are your boys chomping at the bit to get back? Um, oh, yeah, they they can't wait. Um, we we talk daily. Um, at this point, uh, we unfortunately do have a uh, a state of emergency in the province, and we're we're not allowed to uh, to open the arenas uh, because they're they're being held right now for uh, in in case something does happen and with the uh, with a, either a homeless population or something like that. They they need to make sure that they're uh, ready to tackle that emergency if it does come. Uh, so we're not able to get into our rinks yet. But with that, with with COVID kind of affecting a lot of hockey, it's also affected the World Championships as well. As you guys have been able to see any news on that, it looks like they're delaying the uh, World Championships in Belarus. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I'm expecting a lot of that to happen right now because take a look even with the NHL, right? Because I know there's more going on than just COVID with uh, Belarus. They've got some political instability there, but. Uh, you know, even with the NHL, we had the Dallas Stars, right, delayed for, what, first two weeks because of COVID issues? Yeah. And then Florida, Carolina are having issues right now, too. So, um, you know, just, just, just settle it on down, right, until, you know, the yeah, the world's got a handle on this a little bit better instead of, once again, throwing guys on over. And, you know, look, look what happened with Germany, for instance, in the – World Junior Hockey Championship, right? I think they would have had a hell of a better showing had they had their full talent out the first right out right out the gates, right? So I'd rather see you know uh, full teams together playing hard hockey as opposed to well half a team's quarantined and <laughs> they're going to go with a short bench to start or postponing games while they're there, right? So yeah, the Washington Capitals. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no Russian snuggles all in one room, guys. No more of that stuff. Um, yeah, because honestly, they still beat Buffalo, so I don't know what to do in Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> goaltending, goaltending. Even take your, uh, even take the Washington Capitals goaltender who has COVID right now. Him being benched may stop more pucks <laughs> than the actual other goalies on that team, man. We're we're, um, we're struggling there in Buffalo, man. <laughs> well, not in football. Well, yeah, not football. Yeah. There you go. There you no, go. it's an exciting day for that. Yes, it is. So anyone that doesn't know, this podcast is being recorded on Sunday, January 24th, and my Buffalo Bills will be in the AFC Championship game for the first time since I was in middle school. So put that in perspective. It's been a long time. Oh, you God. know what? And Chris has got a baby face for guys that don't understand. So yeah. if you looked at him and said middle school was like, what, 10 years ago? No. The dude's in his 40s, and he still looks like he's in his 20s at some of the <laughs> yeah, I'm, 40, I'm, I'm 41 going on 25. I've never gotten uh, – when I'm clean shaven, I've never gotten above 23. When I have my beard, I've never gotten above 26. No one's ever guessed me older than 26, ever. Yeah. So and, it just doesn't right now, Right now I look like I'm uh, 44 going on 62. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody guesses my age for the wrong reasons, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I still get carded. So put that in perspective. Um, but yeah, and so, you know, some other hockey that's happening since it is the 24th of January um, for this podcast is the National Women's Hockey League officially started. It's uh, what we're going to call the COVID season because that's what we're in this time. Uh, but they're doing a bubble in Lake Placid, New York, and all the teams finally came together uh, in the last couple days. And now they are in Lake Placid and they had their first three games of the season yesterday uh live streamed on twitch which it had actually really excellent coverage um it was i'm not a much of a twitch person but i subscribe to the nwhl on twitch and and pay the like tier whatever fee so i can add all my little fun emojis um or whatever they call them on on twitch i don't know i have fun with it communicating with all the other fans and uh watching that did any did either of you get a chance to watch any of the games yesterday i caught some highlights here and there uh but I do think it is very important that they do play um, up in Canada. We have a, a league called the CFL. Um, it's the Canadian football league. Um, not sure if you guys know, they didn't play this year. And I think that was a massive missed opportunity. So I think it's fantastic that the women's game is getting this out there, being able to be on Twitch, being able to get their content out and, and continue the, the conversation, continue the, idea in promoting the uh, the women's game at this time it's it's fantastic to see that they were able to get it going yeah it's awesome yeah. because I, even with this uh like they're live streaming on twitch all the way to the through the third of february and then on the fourth and fifth they're going to be on nbcsn and so they're going to have the uh basically the quarterfinals and then the uh the isabel cup on i think the fifth friday the fifth will be the isabel cup game uh, so yeah, I th I'm, I'm agreeing with you here. Um, you know, it's really important to get the, the attention out here for women's hockey. Um, and Steve, I think, I'm sorry, I think I might've cut you off. I think you were going to add something there. Yeah. So I caught some highlights too, but from what I was told or from what I saw, didn't Toronto like completely outshoot, um, their opponent, like something ridiculous, like it wasn't in the forties and they got shut out. Yep. Yeah, I think yeah. They, I, um, I think that I think it was Buffalo. I think uh, the Buffalo um, oh, Harley Jackson got like over forty. There was like forty-one shots by the time it was some point in the, th point in the third period. Like Connecticut was just unloading 
on Carly, and she was keeping him in it. But but honestly, that Toronto Metropolitan game, did you see the hit? No, 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 oh, no, no. Yeah, she got <laughs> so rocked. I, to, I think it was Janiga that got rocked. I have like, to go back and go check out some of those highlights. Yeah, but, uh, check it out. It's a, I would say about midway through the second period. Uh, she just, God, what a hit! <laughs> oh my God. We'll be covering the National Women's Hockey League a little bit more in depth on the next podcast. Uh, once we've got a few more games in, and we can, uh, you know, I've got some of my fantasy players on the NWHL team that have already got me points. So, you know, definitely gonna shout them out because um, I'm really excited that I got players that are scoring points and I got both my goalies. Like I think, I think both my goalies started yesterday too because uh, uh, Chuli started for Toronto and. Uh, Okay, guys. French Canadian name Levi. Is it Levi? Levi. Levi. I'd have to. I'd have to see it spelled out, my friend. All right. Well, <laughs> it's uh, Minnesota's goalie. Um, okay. Because I know you both corrected me last time. Because I slaughter French Canadian names like it's <laughs> nothing. <laughs> but uh, he's 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 the American version of Don Cherry over there. Patty Roy. <laughs> Patty Roy's a hell of a goalie over there. Good old Patty. You know who's a great. Like I said, got. Guy Herbert, that's a great goalie, right? Oh, what a goalie. That is my uh, – I, I can easily slaughter some names. but uh, <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, that big back. trade that happened, Pyre Luck, Dubo. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you that, know what? As we'll be covering, uh, we'll be covering the, uh, the National Hockey League in the next podcast. Let's move on to that trade. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I love the meme you sent me, Steve. Do you want to tell the the, the listeners? <laughs> Both line, yeah. line A wanted out of Winnipeg and Dubois wanted out of Col- um, uh, Columbus. So yeah, yeah. So you know, this was this was a weird one, right? Um, essentially, you know, it, uh, not a lot of players want to put. Yeah, now because it's hard <laughs> to even get the words out, right? Because there's, you know, as far as Canadian cities go, like I'm not on the peg, but there's more desirable cities to live in year round because if you talk to people from the peg, it's and they actually people living in the peg like it, but it's either minus 45 or it's mosquito season, right? It's yeah. one of the two. Um, and Columbus for hockey, it's just again not one of the big hotbeds you, that you could you know if you had a choice between Tampa or Columbus, Ohio, you're choosing Tampa. Plus you got torts to put up with, but yeah, <clears throat> Pierre Luke wanted out of uh, Ohio, gets traded to the Canadian Ohio. <laughs> and Lionel <laughs> once out of Manitoba gets traded to the American Manitoba. I was like, yeah, pretty much sums that one right on up. <clears throat> yeah, because I don't want to. Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I, cause I don't want to offend any of our listeners out there, but I've been uh, I've been through Ohio so many times, and I got a, my my buddy who goes to all the Ogden Mustangs games with me is from Ohio, and I tell him I'm like, you, that is the most boring state I've ever been in. It's I mean, I, of course, I haven't spent any time in Sid, uh, Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. he. How long do you think these trades are going to last? I'm with you. How long do you think these guys are going to stay in these <laughs> he, was all choked. he was all choked up there, too. Now, I, I was I was predicting they'd be out until I watched the CBC coverage of Dubois, right? And his yeah. dad is, what, an assistant coach on the, on the moose. And he's got ties to that city. So that may be a long-term solution for him, right? right. But – He's on a two-year contract. He's going to want to get paid. So I still think – I think it's going to be Lionel more than anything else. I think Tortorella's going to drive him back crazy. Look for a package of Max Domi and Lionel out the door at some point because um, 
Although Domi's got this year to really step up his game and prove that he's a good two-way player. Yeah. Uh, this was his test, and right now he's not passing that test. Um, in lining now, you can't complain. Like you wanted, you wanted to be on the team where you could be on the first line shooting the puck and scoring. Well, Torts will give it to you, and he'll whip it away in a heartbeat too, right? So, um, I still see Line A, you know, being traded possibly in the off season, in, in my perspective. But who knows, right? Maybe he gets there and he gets to, he gets some first line love, and they don't have a bad team, right? So, but still, what do you, what do you think on this one, Matt? What what are your thoughts on uh, this trade? Well, I, I lived uh, about an hour outside Winnipeg, uh, a place called Portage La Prairie, Manitoba. Uh, played hockey there, and it. Uh, it, it's very nice place, beautiful city, but there isn't that much to do. Um, from what I understand, Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted to go to a big market. He will be adored in Winnipeg. Uh, the, the fans, they, they eat, sleep, and breathe hockey. And if that's what he means by, by the big, uh, big spotlight that he's going to be a superstar in that city, then it can work out. Um, with the connections, I, I think it might. But I, I do think Winnipeg overpaid uh, I, I love a first-line center, but it's a distressed asset in Columbus. And from what I understand, Winnipeg was one of the few suitors that actually put forward an offer that uh, had some substance and was able to get it done. The other teams weren't very close. So I, I think Columbus did an, uh, an excellent job being able to get uh, Roslovic and Line A out of there. Um, I, I could have seen it as a one-for-one one, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois for a Line A. They're, they both wanted out. They're two and three of the same same draft class. It would have been an easy flip, but uh, Kekalainen being able to pull out Roslovic as well uh, was a heck of a job and a win for Columbus on that day. Yeah. So, so the quick thing on that though, too, right? Is it's, it's like apparently you know watching the CBC coverage yesterday was that trade was actually on the table over the summer months, so they knew they had this in their back pocket, and they just couldn't get another team to step up to unload you know the talent that they wanted, right? So. Of course, yes. Montreal being Montreal, we've got Pierre-Luc Dubois, hometown boy, <laughs> right? who they would have loved to have on that team. But right away, as soon as I heard the name Nick Suzuki, I started cracking up going, oh, no, that's not going to happen. Romanov, not going to happen. And those two are now anchored into that team. It would take something dramatic for those two to shift. So I was, you know... You know, in my own humble opinion, I love Cockney and he's got some upside. You know, he would have been one of the only ones I would entertain in that type of offer, but um, I still couldn't see it, right? And I'm surprised, you know, Montreal wasn't trying to do a trade and sign with Deneau since he's so unhappy. You know, they offered him a $30 million deal over, I think it was five years or six years over the summer, and he turned it down. I'm like, wow, he's he's asking for some, some really big money. <laughs> Um, and he's he's that proven two-way center, plus they could try to sweeten it on up. But even that, again, you know, wasn't enough, right? Um, what? So you think a, a pure swap for those two would have been fair? So you're, you're giving kudos on over to the Jets for pulling off that deal. Uh, what do you think off of the Habs or any other suitors like the um, – because I think they said Calgary is in the mix. Of course, the New York Rangers are in the mix. What do you think would have been a fair trade, seeing as you're you were a GM and now a commish? What do you think would have been a fair trade for that coming off those other teams? Yeah, I, I uh, being so close to the Montreal, uh, being so close to Montreal, I do get the uh, the radio station over there and uh, listen to it quite often. 
And from what I uh, was hearing that that Nick Suzuki was going to be uh, part of it going back to me was a no starter. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, Kakenyemi, I, I would have thought about it, uh, but the uh, the possibility of what he might be, what he was in the the playoffs uh, playoff format last year, did a great job. Uh, good good start again to the year. So I mm-hmm. think there's uh, if it would have been something where you're giving up a, a Kakenyemi, maybe a B prospect and a third, second round pick. It, mm-hmm. it would have been tough to say no to Pierre-Luc Dubois coming in to make you that real contender right away if it's only mm-hmm. Kakenyemi off your roster. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't go any further than that. Um, yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a very good player, but it, when you overpay for trades, I do find that it often does not work out. It's a swing for the to try and win a Stanley Cup. You win it, fantastic. But if we saw what Ottawa did when they swung for the fences, it did start a rebuild and uh, ended in uh, some three long years, and, and it's not over in Ottawa yet. Well, I want your, I want your opinion on this. Remember Torelli out of Boston and then went over to Edmonton? Talk about a guy that would swing for the fences, right? Like he seemed to put Boston in a – he put Boston in a hole for about two years, but they did a fabulous job rebuilding, right? They grabbed grabbed some pieces, and then Edmonton took them over. I'm like, oh, boy, let's watch what happens here. And then he was just dumping stuff and swinging for the fences, right? So um, I, I, I was astonished. I, I can't see any team ever hiring him on as your sole GM ever again. Um, after the moves, like, it was incredible, like, with the team, you know, with the Boston Bruins came up to win the cup, but... I'll say one thing. Let's be honest. Tim Thomas came out of nowhere, right, to to, to jump on up and help propel that team, right? That's not taking away from anything of their offense that was built up. But Thomas's inspired play helped root that team, and they got their locker room tight now, which is incredible. But yeah, his job and his he, he I think he killed the Bruins shortly, and then over in Toronto. Oh, not Toronto. I wish he went to Toronto and killed them, but they did a good job of that themselves uh, for so many years. <laughs> but anyway, I meant over to Edmonton, right? Like, how do you have, what was it, five number one picks and a team never balanced out, right? So um, if you could go back in time and you were the GM of the of the Edmonton Oilers, would you have picked all those star forwards or would you have built slightly differently? I believe I probably would have picked those forwards, even Nail Yakupov. Um, at, at the first overall pick, you, usually they're they're pretty set in stone. Where I think his big mistakes lied were in the second and the third rounds. Um, he it, it seemed that they felt that they had a guaranteed star uh, coming in, and that the second, third, and fourth round picks really didn't matter. So they tried to swing for the fences on those as well, and see if they could get a superstar instead of going with the the safe bets and and that's why i do think uh someone like a troy man here in ottawa is so important to be able to pick out those guys in later rounds that solidify the teams uh that are able to turn you into into a championship team uh you you Mm -hmm. see ken holland did it in detroit uh picking zetterberg datsu he was he was brilliant right exactly guys guys they they i think they were the first team that was heavily scouting the swedish elite leagues right and they were able to pull those guys in rounds when other scouts didn't have them ranked very high, right? So yes. excellent job on that one. Because, yeah, you hear uh, when they draft, I think Moose, um, oh, what was his name again? Um, their, their big their big body suite that they got um, ended up Franzen. Where are you going, Franzen? 
wasn't he like a third or fourth round pick? Like I thought he was a steal, right? And wasn't Dad Sook something dumb too? Like he didn't go in the first couple of rounds. That's yeah, I believe he was, he was like, sixth, sixth round or something like that. Yeah, it's amazing, right? Like, and and when you get the and sometimes it's luck, right? Because if you don't get exposed to him enough, and maybe like I, I didn't see Dad Sook before any of this, right? Because we had limited coverage. So sometimes it's just somebody knowing something or luck. But man, they seem to get those dead players out of the late rounds, and that team was. Like, everybody hated Detroit after a while because after they were the dead wings of the 80s and 90s, right, and they weren't doing anything, then all of a sudden there was the rise of the of that Detroit empire. Um, one side note, there was no salary cap. So um, yep. <laughs> when you looked no, at – they did have 21. Look, was it 21 straight seasons in the – you know, going to the playoffs? Like, I was oh, thrilled yeah. the first year they missed. I'm like, my entire, you know, you know really – hockey watching life uh, that the Red Wings were in the playoffs. They were always yeah. a team. They, they were guaranteed playoff teams. So when they first missed, I'm like, this is going to be weird. They're not in the playoffs. And they've, you know, that team's kind of set from there. But even, um, you know, you got, you got a guy like, that's the thing. If, if you're picking right, like if, if, if the Edmonton uh, GM was picking right, you can get some really, you can get the right talent really deep. Look at what is it? Mark Stone. What was he like a sixth round pick? Yeah, Mark, yeah, Mark Stone was a sixth-round pick. And you, you look through most of uh, – well, that, that's why I do allude to Tro, uh, Troy Mann here in Ottawa. He's done a phenomenal job of picking those guys in the late rounds, even picking guys in the middle of the first round. He, he tends to hit on most guys he does pick. Uh, he is a phenomenal scout, and you, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he'll, he'll be a GM at some point in the near future here in the NHL. Yeah, because honestly – because oh, again, as a, as a GM, um, as we were talking about Columbus uh, earlier, what do you think? Is it just torts? Is it the city? What, what do you think? Is it what could you do as a GM to maybe? Because Columbus just seems to be the place where players just flee. It, I find it very strange. Um, it it uh, I, I think it might be a personnel issue, but I when you you break those down, it tends to be an extremely complex issue that uh, that is at the root of it it's not just a one-stop situation um but personally what i'd be doing is, is heading in there and doing a deep dive of the entire organization down to the people that are sharpening skates um to uh to the greeters at the front doors uh, everyone is important in those organizations and in keeping people happy and and that's also why you got to have uh, good players in there uh, guys like nick lidstrom were, were able to uh, solidify rooms, and if, if people weren't happy, they were able to take them aside, talk to them, and figure out why, and, and be able to keep the good players around even through hard times. Because in, in, in any organization, sports or not, there will be hard times, and the good core people can pull them through that. So I, I think it's a very larger, large-scale issue in Columbus, uh, not just a quick fix of, uh, of either torts, Kekaline, and something like that. It's it's a big issue that that they need to do a an internal dive into that organization. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you because something like they haven't been they've been a really competitive team for all these years. They keep losing players for the last several seasons. They've been competitive. They've been making the playoffs. Uh, you know that shocker of them taking down Tampa in a sweep a, a season ago was stunning, and that yet all those players left. Uh, not all, but. All their really top talented names all just fled to different teams. You know, Bobrovsky and Panarin and Zingle and who else? I mean, there were so many of them. Uh, Absolutely. Duchesne, Duchesne jumped because he was yeah. part of that. 
Yeah, he was smart. Well, Duchesne, Duchesne now they may be counting their blessings because he's not living up to <laughs> what he should be doing, right? But yeah. but yeah, but they had a they, and that's the thing that amazed me, right? Is they had a they had a you know potential huge powerhouse going forward, you know, and you see them do you know Boston was getting away with some discounts and Krug just finally said no, I'm not doing this. I got to go make my payday, which you under, everybody understands. But they're doing a good job of keeping a lot of guys in house. So part of me that I'm always astonished by is, look, if you had this power dynamic shit, you know, that came together, and I understand there's a limited time to make money and your stock could drop. I still don't understand why not doing it for one more year, right? Sign a slight, you know, slight deal for one more season and then push through because Columbus looked pretty good in that playoff and they just had gotten together, right? Yeah. That's just my own it's just my own opinion, but I'm like as soon as you get thrown over to another team, it's very rare that and, and we'll see you because we got two cocky guys here, see if you guys agree with me. There's very few players that when they've made a trade to another roster that they made an immediate impact and it all has to do with gelling with the team. Like I loved it when Chicago went after Antoine Vermette, because after watching him in, in Arizona, I went, Oh, that's a brilliant move. He's such a depth player. He didn't fit in with that organization right away until they got desperate in the playoffs, and he comes up with some clutch goals. Like, I knew Vermette, he, he did it for the Coyotes all the time, right? But it took him so long to get there, and that's Vermette. A lot of times, I'm, what I'm seeing is these big trades happen, and in the very first, you know, two, three months, even the playoffs, when these trades happen, they don't make an impact. So, can you guys remember, like, one big, well, besides Patrick Waugh, because <laughs> when that one happened, I was like, yeah, this one's done. Uh, can you remember one big trade that completely influenced and you went, wow, they, they, they took it over with the new team? Because out of my memory, I can't think of anybody that when they made that trade solidified, you know, a cup or a deep run. Can you guys think of anybody at the top of your heads? The only one that I've, I've got for now is the uh, Marion Hosa for Danny Healy trade. Uh, both players seem to step in and, and do very well in their respective organizations. So Hosa, the, the first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, and Danny Heatley with uh, 50 goals in 07 did pretty well. Um, yeah. Other than his, his off ice, he he was uh, a great player for Ottawa. He, he had that uh, with, with Spets and Alfredson. That line was phenomenal uh, and, and integral in them going deep. Um, but uh, no, other other than him, there there aren't too many big name trades that do end up working out. No, Chris, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of like any, and I would just say that. Again, not any direct impact. Obviously, the, you know, the the Ryan O'Reilly trade to St. Louis, um, that really, I mean, that that really impacted uh, St. Louis, um, you know, when it eventually, you know, because I think there was off-season trade or it was, I don't even know. Yeah, it was a, yeah that was yeah. an off-season acquisition. That was a big, so, that was a big, that was a big shift, right? That was but, a big, and he, and honestly, ROR stepped right in. And, but in terms of like mid-season, you're right. I can't think of anything that happens in the midseason where I'm like, yep, that guy just stepped in and he's taken over. I mean, you have guys with these, you know, maybe they come out and they have like a four goal game in their first time with the team. God, we had one guy we traded with Buffalo traded San Jose. Uh, you know, the guy came in, got four goals in his first game, then disappeared. <laughs> it was just like, I can't remember his name. My brain stuck on Chichu and it wasn't Chichu. So, but no, I can't think of um. I can't think of anybody that really just makes that immediate impact. Not even a goalie, truthfully. Can you even think of a goalie trade where that's like immediately? Imp- well, again, outside of Wah, what can you think of any goalie that was traded midseason that was like, yep, that was the difference? 
Yeah, and I can't, to be honest with you. I'm going back through all the trades. Like, even when Hasek went on over, but I think that was an off-season acquisition for the yes, Red Wings. Yes, I think it was. It was. Yeah. And, and that, but he still, it, it wasn't like the Red Wings were even more phenomenal under Hasek, because I think Osgood was playing with him at the time, too. And if I'm not mistaken, and Osgood still, I think, had a majority of games, right? So, and I think Hasek's one of those goalies. He needs to be peppered with shots. The more shots he gets, the better he is. I think he's one of those ones, right? Um, which, you know, which is true about a bunch of goalies. We take 10 shots over an entire game. Uh, the last three minutes of the game are a little bit hairy. <laughs> yeah, when did, Jeff, when did Jeff Carter get traded to uh, L.A.? Was that yeah, that was that was. But he was, yes. he was in, but that was a Columbus trade though, wasn't he on Columbus when he 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 went on over to? Oh, I think you're right. I think he was, he went from Philly to Columbus. He did. He wasn't in Columbus long, was he? Yeah. No, I don't believe he was too happy there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But there you go again, Columbus. It leads back to these players not wanting to play in Columbus. Rick Nash, dude, they, their captain wasn't happy there. It was. It's just one player after there's something like, dude, that's a whole episode. We have to – what's wrong in Columbus that they can't keep – because they get so many talented players, and they can't keep them. Yeah, yes. and I heard it's I heard it's a beautiful setup, right? I heard the arena is right along a whole line of restaurants and bars. It's a college town, right? And like I said, I think it's for some of these that players. That alone would excite you if you're as a single hockey player. Well, yeah, he's young, a, young, a young single hockey player, yeah. not so much the wives of the, of yeah, the players, yeah. right? A <laughs> little bit of a challenge there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's – and you even take a look at their current team they still have, right? It's not like they they went out and they spanked the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know Vaz had an off game, but the, the thing is why they're always so competitive. It seems like their core guys, like their main core stays together a long period of time, right? And it's for some reason their their bigger superstars all seem to take off, right? They want to go to that, you know, bigger market and do whatever. Like I think even for Panarin, weren't they uh, offering him? I don't know. I forget what the deal was. I don't know if it was some if it was food or booze. If he had signed, they were going to give it to him free for, you know, the length of his contract. I'm like, well, that's awesome. Way to go, City. Way to pitch in. I'd be doing everything to keep the bread man too. But um, the only thing I can say is they're pretty resilient because, man, that team just seems to stick around, though, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's and kind I of have them making the playoffs this year. I think they're still going to be good this year. They got, they're, they're really they're well-built, and I think you, you said it there, and Matt said it. Um, you know, those depth players, that's what, you know, the star players are excellent. That's, that's fun. It's great having star players. But it's the depth players that really make the difference. And, again, I'll keep saying it, Vegas proves it over and over again with that first season. You don't need a bunch of superstars. You need the right pieces. No, absolutely. Yeah. Hockey is a team game. Um, there, there are other sports out there. I mean, f- football is one of them that it, it's a team. You, you're not gonna. Yes, you're gonna have your superstars, and I think you do need a couple of them here and there. But if you have a good coach, you have a good system, you have a, the buy-in from the players, it's able to be done. And I, I think a couple of teams have proved that over and over again in the NHL that. It's it's doable on a team effort, not just a uh, uh, one or two superstars. Uh, LeBron James going down there and taking over the game himself. Yeah. Well, and look at this, guys. So the, here's the perfect example of this, right? So talk about off. Okay, so off-season acquisitions and and teams not acquiring the appropriate pieces, right? A lot of you know last year's playoffs. A lot of people were picking Edmonton to go, right? Edmonton's going to win this thing. Edmonton got shut the f 
down, right? And kudos to like a, a you know the the consummate professionalism, right? McDavid got schooled by Taves, and in the off season he worked on his face offs, and face offs are way better. But everybody was picking Edmonton. It's still way early in the season, but we're seeing issues, right? And the issue is, if you really press McDavid and Dreisaitl and you do not give them those opportunities, right? You Everybody buys in when they're on the ice, you know, plays their roles. You can shut that whole team down. Like, if those two guys aren't engaged, they don't have enough to really come back any at any, you know, strong teams. And I goaltending was their issue. Like between them and Buffalo, I'm like, what did you guys do in the offseason? Who evaluated yeah. your teams, right? And, you know, it sucks for Edmonton on one aspect because we really wouldn't have seen we I would like to see what Smith had left in his tank, but he's injured right now, right? But I still don't even think Smith was the answer. There was good goalies out there. So they and didn't the thing is, everyone that. sees it. Like that's the thing. Yeah. There's what the fact that they didn't do that. The fact that Buffalo didn't do. I was outside shoveling my uh, my sidewalk this morning, um, and believe it or not, here in the middle of Utah, I'm next door to another Buffalo Sabres fan. So you know, so he was getting home from work. I was shoveling, and we started. He's like, "What do you think about the Buffalo Sabres right now?" And I just started laughing, and he did too. And he's like, "Dude." I don't, I don't know what to do anymore. We lost to a team that didn't have their four Russians on them. And, you know, and when it comes down to it, he's like, goaltending? I'm like, yes, 100% goaltending. When Allmark's contract was over, it's like, okay, good. They're going to go out, get a goalie, and Hutton will just ride out the last season as a backup. He, he's a solid backup. I have all the confidence in Hutton as a backup. But they re-signed Allmark, and I'm like – Okay, and to like I think it was like two point six million, and I'm are they just being like okay this year we're gonna give Allmark the net, and you know because he's been in the organization since it started and Buff Buffalo, uh, you know I don't think we have the same problem Columbus does where Columbus has this like something where players want to flee, Buffalo just has nothing that really attracts players to it. But if you're in the organization, like I said, I worked with with the Pagula Sports and Entertainment for a, a short period of time, um. It's a kind of a really – it's a big family-style organization, and when they like a player like a Gergensen's or an Allmark, they're not going to let him go easy. And I think sometimes that's – you know, you, you got to drop the heartstrings sometimes. Gergie's solid. Gergie is not leaving Buffalo, but I like Allmark. I, I love his masks. I think he's a cool guy. But when it comes down to it, he wasn't – I don't know why we re-signed him unless they planned on giving him the net this year, and they haven't. Now, I understand his father just passed away, so condolences to him. Um, that's something, you know, tough to deal with. Um, so I don't know if that affected him starting this season, but if he's not the starter, why did we resign him? That's Yeah, you know. and, and you know you know what I compare that to is in Montreal, uh, Bergevin got into the uh, loyalty contracts, right? Yeah. And, you know, that's where the path for Montreal's, you know – you know that that we'd we we you know we'd be top in the league and in last place, right? That's where all the instability started happening, right? So, Bergevin got caught, and finally, I think it was that whole it, the the whole locker room was ready to explode, and he realized like, look, these guys aren't my buddies, right? You know, you can like a player, but I've got to look at my team, and they're just assets to my team, right? They they are human beings, <laughs> you know. Don't don't yeah. get me wrong on this stuff, and I'll get the GMs. Get but their GM's opinion on this. Yeah, but they're, they're 1099 but they're, contractors. <laughs> yeah, exactly it. And you've got to look at what's best for your team. So Radulov skates, you know, Radulov goes away from the Canadians because, you know, we can't compare with the Texas, 
tax situation, which, by the way, is another whole other podcast where I tee up on that. <laughs> because it, the Canadian teams are really hurting because of that, right? But, you know, and he said, if you want loyalty, I'll buy a dog. Like, he wasn't expecting it. And I wasn't expecting it. Radulov is the, the, the guy's interviews, because they're all sort of the same, right? So Radulov, yeah, I love this team. I love this organization. Yeah, I just like to stay in the long, long term. You know, and you're hearing him just going through the script, and I'm like, there's no passion behind that. You don't give a shit. Like, I was watching his interview going, oh, dude, he's out the door if he gets another, you know, half a million dollars from another team. Like, he didn't care, right? We were the team, we were the team that gave him the break to come back in. But like Bergerman said, like, yeah, we gave him a break to come in. He performed. He, he more than earned it, you know, his raise, and he was quick to bail on out. So... You know, there's there's that aspect of things like you if you want loyalty, <laughs> you, you know, um, you got to pay some of these guys. Well, and the other key issue here is don't overpay. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on, uh, you know, the, these type of contracts? And can you think of any other teams, Matt and, and Chris, that did those stupid loyalty things that got themselves in trouble? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I think it's tough. Um I, you bring up the tax situation in uh, in Canada and here, but I mean, at, to, to that point, we also have that the players get paid in U.S. dollars, and our mm-hmm. dollar is worth less. Therefore, their dollar is worth more that they're making, and in terms mm-hmm. of their actual life, they are making more money in Canadian dollars than they would be in American dollars in spending power. Yeah. So I I think that if you have the right GM, they're able to spin things and make it work, where you can convince players. Whether it be using Columbus's uh, strip there to, to try to bring in some some players that are young single men that that you know they're use the attractions that you have uh, to to bring in players whether that is the tax loopholes in uh, in, in Texas or uh, Nevada that that they don't have here in Canada uh, or it's our poor dollar up here that we have to use or a lower housing market or whatever the city is. Um, I think each team does have advantages and disadvantages. Um, It's just how they present them to the players. Uh, Obviously I'm not in the room when they're presenting them, but I I think that if, if they use their city rights, each city has enough that they can pull in uh, a superstar here and there to, to come to the city and call it home because you look at the cities that that are across the the NHL. Uh, I, I've been to a number of the Canadian ones, and each one of them is fantastic in their own way. Um, I mean, Calgary's got the Stampede. I my sister lived in Calgary. I love it. Uh, the, the Rocky Mountains uh, over in Montreal. You've got uh, food on every corner. That that's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and and living in the capital city has its perks as well. Um, and and you can go through the the American cities and do the exact same thing. Uh, they're they're all fantastic fantastic places to live, uh, but you, you just got to play the right strings with these players to be able to pull them in, uh, and I, I think that uh, that could be missed sometimes in uh, in trying to convince some players to to play or stay depending on their situations. Yeah, I think I think what you said there was perfect. I think you've got to use what you can to your advantage in whatever city that is. Because I mean, I can think about you know I born and raised in Buffalo. I I know what type of players uh, an organization like Buffalo will attract. Um, you know, I've been in I've lived in cities like St. Louis and Ottawa, and and I know you know in D.C. and now I'm here in Utah. But you know, I've been all around. I've been to a lot of arenas in between, and you definitely have something that you can attract the right players to your organization that want to play for you. And I think off season, that was kind of one of the things that kind of came out about the shocker with hall going to Buffalo is everyone's like, what? <laughs> it's like, I was stunned and happy. And, 
but then you found out why he wanted to go to Buffalo. And of course he has that relationship with Krieger, uh, as well as the type of life he's close to home and the type of lifestyle hall wants. And I think based off of the, the interviews they've done with them, uh, he is a superstar, you know, he's, he's done, you know, what was he first overall and all this stuff, but yep. he's the, his personality fits Buffalo. It, it fits in terms of like, he wants to be recognized, but doesn't really want all the, I guess say pressure, not pressure to go with it, but the overwhelming like Montreal, Toronto media pressure. Uh, he's, you know, in a lot of these cities, if you recognize a player out, you know, they're going to get up and get people in Buffalo. I don't know what it is. It's, I don't know what it is about us, uh, but when you see a, a Marv Levy out in town, or you see a, a you know a, a Miroslav Shatan or Danny Briere, you're not going to just go up to them and go, "Hey, man, can I have your?" No, you know they're out with their wife, or they're out with their you know girlfriend. They're at the mall or at a restaurant. You don't approach them. You, you just you acknowledge the fact that they're there. Like, oh, that's cool. That's Marv Levy, and then you move on with your life. You know, it's they are. Yes, recognizable players, but unless you're at the arena, they're not going to get – I can attest to the fact that a lot of players will not get bothered in Buffalo, and they can be out and have a good time and be themselves with – obviously still representing the organization. And it's it's a family city. It's a family organization. It's it really it – just it's a great place to play um, if, you're, if you're a hockey player, and if that's what you want. But if you want the big city New York City lifestyle like Panarin wanted or, you know, you just want the beaches of – um, Tampa Bay or Miami, uh, or even the, the nice warm weather of Arizona, those could be the right places for you where you probably won't be recognized and you can cash that money. You know, it, it's so, it, to, Absolutely. like you said, yeah. I mean, go to the, the difference. I was, uh, I was in Montreal a couple years back before COVID started and just, just walking down the street with Paul Byron and, uh, there was people that actually put their heads out of the window of a bus to take pictures and, and yell at them while we were walking down the street. We were near the Bell Center, but that, that's Montreal. When when you're there, you you're more than just the player. You're an icon in the city. Whereas in Buffalo, yeah, absolutely, it, you're still loved, you're beloved, but you you can go out in public, and that's appealing to some players. The the other could be appealing to other players. And I, I think that the personalities of players aren't. Uh, aren't done as well in the NHL as you see in the other leagues. And yeah. I I think that. If, uh, as GMs, you knew those going in, it would improve the ability to uh, to sign players uh, based on your location and and what your city offers. Yeah, and I think uh, isn't wasn't Paul Byron drafted by Buffalo, and he played with us yes. uh, not many games, but uh, he was drafted by Buffalo. So you can always ask him what he actually thought of it in terms of like would that have been a city he would have wanted to stay in long term because I think he ended up what in Calgary and. Yep. And then he and then, then over then yeah. the best franchise ever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and speaking, the, speaking, and speaking to um, you know Matt's point about Montreal, like that was one example. He was he was walking with Paul Byron, yeah. and I just remember I was in you know one of their busier malls, you know working as a manager at the point, and Andre Kostitsin you know came walking in, and uh, they're pretty recognizable, right? Because they had their long, flowing hair at the time. I think Andre wasn't bald at that moment. I think he actually had hair. And no offense, Andre, I'm bald as can be. So uh, it's not it's not a dig at you. It's a horrible reality for us follically challenged people. But um, you know, it was you know people recognized him, started yelling. I had he hightailed it into a store to avoid people. 
And, you know, and, you know, it's that, like, I looked at the dude doing it. I'm like, why are you doing that? You know, like, the guy's just here to go get a CD or go get yeah. something. I'm like, and now he's going to get mobbed. I'm like, right? Just yeah. leave him be. You know, this is not him on his way to the arena, right? It's not, you know, after the game, you know, type of thing before they're out having, you know, something to eat. This was all, you know, the dude just trying to live his life. And that just irritates me when people do that. Like, they're out with their families or by themselves. Leave them be unless they look at you, smile, and then walk on over to you. Because the one thing right. I'll say is this, uh, you know, here, um, my wife's a Leafs fan, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, they were playing, you know, here in, in, in this. And Chris knows, again, I'll say this again, the setup here for the hockey arena is beautiful. It's just too in far Arizona? out. Yeah. yeah. And we went to the Yard House, which is just a quick walk in the same complex on over Dude, to it's the awesome. House. If you like, If you like hockey, Arizona, seriously? What a setup. Like I, I like I said, I only went to that one game with you, but you parked right there. All the food options were right there. The arena's right there. I'm like, dude, you could leave the game and just hang out. Yeah. So, yeah, we walked on over, and a bunch of Leafs were, were there eating, right? And I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, and Fanuf actually came in, came in the back of us. He was a captain at the time, and it was kind of funny because he was with his whole family. And I said, you know, and we saw some guys sitting down that my wife really wanted to meet earlier. And I was like, ah, oh, they don't have food or anything. And I'm like, kind of just leave them be. And Dion actually overheard us. He goes, are you fans? I'm like, well, she is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, he, and I said, she's a lifelong Leafs fan. And he said, no, he goes, you go over and go, go introduce yourself and just say hi quick. He goes, that's cool. He goes, I'm the captain. He goes, very, he said the same thing. They're eating and stuff. Didn't leave him be. He said, but yeah, let's go say a quick hello. And he waved to them. And they were gracious. Uh, Jaguar was there and a few other guys. My wife never said hi. She got a yeah, she got a quick autograph. Was happy as can be. But of all the guys, when we were walking on out, there was two Russians. And who was the guy that got the bad rap? He was the Kostitsins hated his guts. <laughs> you know, back in Belarus, the Habs had all three of them. And then he went to Toronto. Oh, what was his name? And he wasn't a bad player. He played for Russian Washington. Russian Toronto went Fanuf and Panikarovsky. No, no, no. He also he also no, played for the Washington. He also oh. played for the he also played for the um, for the Washington Capitals at, at some point. Um, oh, anyway, no, I can't. going to bother me. Yeah, I can picture him. <laughs> and the thing was, he was super nice. We were walking out. The guy that he was with didn't want. You know, my wife just grabbed her jersey and sort of shuck it a bit. And the one guy just gave her a dirty look. And the other guy came right on over. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, come on over here, right? And my wife walked over, said hello, said, you know, it was, hey, it was a great game. And once again, got another autograph. And he was awesome about it, right? So I, I'll think was of his Grabowski? name. Grabowski. There we oh, go. Oh, yes. The Kostitsins and them had, you know, talk about not researching, right? The Kostitsins and Grabowski hated each other. So let's draft all three of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is, that's the thing you got to understand as a general manager. And that's why it's awesome with these sessions with the GM. We get, we get to, you know, tap into the general manager's head to see what he would do in a situation like that. And um, so, like, okay, so even in the EOJHL, you guys still are able to pick up players. You guys have a draft and everything? Uh, there's uh, pr- protections. Okay. When you pick players, are there what attributes are you kind of looking at in terms of like, uh, you know, obviously you're going to know their hit, maybe some of their history and such. Like, okay, these players don't get along. So like the Maple Leaf situation, what are you looking to do there? Oh, uh, so in, in those situations, I lean on uh, our, on our core players uh, a ton. Um, 
at the end of the day, these are people. And so they, they know the league, they know the players coming up, they know each other. And, uh, I, what I did initially was establish a core group that, uh, that did have a pulse on the team and, and really leaned on them to get the, the first part of information before, uh, before going in, in depth and, and scouting on these actual players. Um, so using all the resources available, uh, to talking to players and, and if it's a situation like that where the, the Kostits and the, and the Gorbaskis don't like each other, then uh, th- that will come to light in some conversations pretty quickly. Um, okay. Yeah, you, you, using these players as, as, as not just hockey players, but as, as human beings that they are, um, I think they, they as well felt more involved in the team. Obviously, they, they didn't have any actual say in any decisions. Um, but I, I did take their input and, uh, if they, they really didn't like playing against the player, then the odds are we wanted to go out and get them. Um, they're, they're good players there. Uh, but if, if you heard something negative about the, the character, then it's something that you got to dig into. Um, it's, it's not just an X's and O's players can shoot, players can pass, uh, they can skate. Uh, when, when you get to these kinds of levels, it's, uh, it's a lot more about the human being, about the work ethic, about the drive, the character that uh, separates the the players from uh, or the or the, uh, the pretenders from the true players. OK, yeah, because it's it's interesting being in a organizations um, like I never worked for the Washington Capitals. Uh, but I spent a lot of time getting to just know the staff there because I spent a lot of time at the arena. I was offered a Zamboni job at one point, but but uh, I, I got to get to know them a lot real well and 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 hearing the inside uh, scoop on you know some of the players and such. Uh, when I was there, I won't say that specific players that the staff didn't really look at highly, uh, but they were superstars on the team, and the staff was just like, yeah. Whatever these guys are kind of you know this way or that way we we're not really fans of dealing with them and the staff knows to just kind of deal with it but then there was guys like Brooks like which the staff was just love I mean they all loved him like he was so well loved by everyone in the organization and they all talked so highly of him in their interactions he always made sure to just walk by and talk with people I think he was driving like the same like uh, Subaru or something that he'd had forever and. You know, it's the, learning about that and why he stayed within. Honestly, and it was just an excellent hockey player. We just loved his like little fist pump on the screen during uh, games and such. Right around the, you know, obviously they knew what they had with with the player like Brooks. And I think sometimes people don't like you said right there the human factor. People don't consider the human factor of the players and their relationships and their relationships with each other and just who they are as people and what they want. And that's critical to building a right team. Yeah, and then the, the, and, then spe- and to speak to that point, you know, the Coyotes who made a massive mistake by their treatment of, you know, and this is the impact Shane Doan had on not just feet, not just the hockey team, but the whole of all Arizona. Doan was voted the most popular athlete in Arizona. And this was with Larry Fitzgerald at his peak, right? You know, voted the most popular person, you know, sports athlete in Arizona because Doan's just a great guy. And for the way Shika, you know, and the 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 old owner, pretend millionaire guy out of New York treated him and just dumped him off, you know, over a breakfast meeting and told him he was being fired, right? Uh, was pathetic. And now they've done the right thing by bringing Doan back into the fold again, right? Shika's gone. 
Dones back in, and that was the best move to, to go forward, right? You need a face like that on your franchise to, to help rebuild it and keep the fans going. Um, transitioning over to this, though, Matt, is you're, you were talking about walking with Paul Byron. Um, how's Paul Byron walking these days, my friend? <laughs> he's uh, he's good. He blocked a shot the other day from, uh, from Shea Weber, <laughs> but uh, you can all imagine what his foot looks like these days. Uh, but but he played through it. Um, he was he was out there last night. Uh, he, he's a battler. Um, I, I remember watching him in uh, play junior B in uh, in the EOJHL here in uh, in Ottawa West. And uh, the, as a 16 year old, he uh, he took that league over at about Christmas time and uh, never looked back. Uh, he ended up winning the championship that year. He is uh, he's a gamer. Um, if, uh, if there was ever a team similar to a Vermette situation, adding them to Chicago to, uh, to add a team to win a Stanley cup, he is the player. Um, yeah, and, and here's, he'll do it all. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing that I'll add to that statement because, um, you guys remember that famous, uh, soccer football uh, commercial where the guy got kicked in the junk and it was scans of everybody, every fan in the world, no matter what nation men going, Ooh, at the time he gets kicked. <laughs> Yes. Every every person that knows hockey, when they watch that highlight, had that exact same reaction. <laughs> and I think I yelled out, oh, my God, his ankle blew up. Right. <laughs> no. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Even my fiance, who, who I mean, we, we watch a lot of hockey now and, and she knows Paul and uh, she uh, she saw that and was like, she saw Shea Weber take the shot and was like, oh, that hurts. And then and then saw it was Paul and just said, oh, no, it, it, it's Paul. And yeah, that's that's the reaction that everybody has. That it's just it's Shea Weber. It's Shea Weber's shot, right? <laughs> like Shea Weber could be ninety years old and wind up, and I'd still be jumping for the, you know, jumping away, going, he's going to kill me with that thing. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, but speaking of Byron's character, right? Because we were talking about GMs and good fits, and I know Montreal is a tough market, right? And you know, I've got my Facebook groups that I run and help admin and do stuff, and. You get the good old Montreal media market, right? You know, for instance, Paul Byron. I watched him step back out of the ice the other night, and I'm like, that guy's just a warrior, right? Just a yes. warrior getting back out there, and he's got an A on his jersey. They don't just lightly slap an A on a guy's jersey like, oh, you've been here long enough, we're going to give you an A. That's something you got to hurt. So uh, you get a dose of the Montreal media. Um, <laughs> you got any good hilarious points that guys are bringing out about the first three games of the year with the Habs? Oh yes, <laughs> yes. I listen to the Montreal media quite often. Um, there, there's a lot of people in Montreal that that are are very uh, well versed hockey fans that uh, that know what they're talking about, and there, there's some others that just love the game uh, to, to, to kind of put it that way. Um, but they're they're crying from the the rooftops to trade Drew and and Saturday night scored a beautiful goal again. Um, he's He's a, a skilled player that is producing, just not quite to the way that they expect in Montreal. And, uh, you know, they're, they're calling to trade him. And it's it's that quick of a decision over there that they're uh, they're quick to flip on people. And, and they do forget uh, forget quite quickly what uh, what players like, like Paul Byron have done uh, to, to, to scream from the rooftops for him as well. Uh, he's such a good player, such a good pro. And there are people that do call in and and say that yeah he, he's overpaid they do want uh, they expect more out of out of him uh, a guy wearing a letter has to contribute more offensively and 
where the 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 guys out there every penalty kill uh, yeah. putting his body on the line and those are the players that you win with and yeah. as much as the Montreal media or the Montreal uh, fans may may love the game there's there's a number of layers that they they do have to remember it's not a quick decision and it's not a quick fix and the thing I'll point out is this, okay, guys. So after their first game against Toronto, trade Carey Price. I'm like, here we go, here we go. And like, number one, like that's the dumbest conversation to book. So I'm like, Carey Price has a no trade. He controls his own destiny. So just shut up about that, guys. And number two, it's just stupid. But then it it started it started in. Toffoli doesn't look good. Armia doesn't look good. Byron doesn't look good. Duran doesn't look good. Toffoli gets five goals, you know, in two games, and now all of a sudden he's a legend, right? I'm like, you, and people, he just doesn't look right. I'm like, it's his third. Price stinky. looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, he looks horrible. Trade that it's guy, just, seriously, honestly. Yeah. You know what, Buffalo, we'll, we'll, t- we'll take that off your hands. You know what, we'll take, we'll take Price and Drew in, right? And we'll send you, uh, we'll send you Hutton and uh, Eichel and a second round. You know what that's funny? The trade price guys are the guys that still want Halak on the team, which Halak as a backup would be perfect. They would be another good dimension, but no. Halak's still not, an excellent goalie. He's still an excellent goalie, but he's still not a starter. He's behind Tuka Rask, right? And it, it's fitting him perfect now in his career. But like the like the, the Armia, we felt the impact of that. Like we, we went, what, eight for eight on the penalty kill against Edmonton, and that's Armia's big frame out there with that huge stick, right? And and Paul Byron on the other side with that incredible speed, right, shutting them down. Like, they shut down the best power play in the NHL last season. But, guys, uh, trade them both. We, we need Guy Lafleur on center, goal, and on defense, and then we'll win the cup. Uh, <laughs> you guys had driving net. No, we need goals. Okay. Well, sure, guys. So anyway, there's there's my little rants, um, <laughs> and then this is why you know as GMs you guys can sit back and go, oh my goodness, like no wonder Robert Bergevin says, no, I just ignore the fans; they don't know what they're talking about half the time. I'm like, yes, you are correct, because <laughs> I go nuts talking to these insane, insane, insane people half the time. So anyway, uh, yes, I think Mark Bergevin did a heck of a job there. He that that is, they were crying for the rooftops for him as well to be uh, to be fired. And th- this summer, he did an amazing job in rebuilding that team and deserves a, a ton of credit. And, you know, it's early on in this season, so I'm happy with the results. But I like the team because they're fun and entertaining to watch. We've got that nice mix of the the young guys that are up and coming to take over the reins here, right? And then we've got our, our vets that have just stayed with the team for such a long time. Uh, one last quick note, your Ottawa Senators. Um, what are you thinking of them so far? I think they've been uh, they've done better than expected. Um, they've been in games. That was a the fun game, game last was a night. Good game. It was in another good game. And I think that's really the goal this year. Uh, compete. Compete in every game you can. Uh, sure, there'll be some blowouts here or there. But as, as long as we're competing and, and winning every once in a while, you, they're, they're going to learn to win. They blew a lead against Winnipeg a couple nights back uh, and then lost it in overtime. It's, it's going to happen. Uh, they're, they're a very, very young team. They're they're learning to gel together. There you, you got Stutzla, uh, Norris, and Kachuk living together now. It seems that they're creating some good uh, good relationships and good building blocks for the future. And they, they've got a great great stable of goalies. And that where is where I think that that Ottawa is in a position that most teams aren't. Um, they've got Sogard, uh, Decord, uh, Gustafsson. 
even Hogberg and, and Murray, they're, they're all relatively young guys. Um, it, it's exciting to see the net here in Ottawa going to be a com- uh, competition in the next couple of years. Yeah, and honestly, you know, one little touch on that, because, uh, you know, as the interim EOJHL commissioner, uh, how excited were you to see Levi's performance during the World Juniors? Devin did fantastic. Um, I, it, w- it was great to see him uh, him showing that that you can come out of Junior A and and still compete and and still produce at a high level. Um, they're, they're, you're seeing a number of players come out of college and and making it. Uh, you, you got Ben Hutton who who played for the Nepean Raiders and uh, Campbell 73s ended up going to Maine and and has played a number of years in the NHL. It's it's there. There's a number of ways to get there. Um, every path is different. Every player is different. And, and just because you're, you're not playing in the OHL or the, the USHL right away, uh, doesn't mean that you're not going to make it there. There's a, a ton of stories from, you know, from, from Paul Byron playing junior B, uh, to making it to the NHL, um, to, to even now Erica Branson, who, uh, who started in Ottawa playing minor hockey, worked his way up. He went the OHL route. There, there's a number of ways to get there and, and everybody is different. Just keep working hard is, is my big message to the young kids. I mean, it's it's more than doable. Um, you know, hard, hard work is really the difference that that puts guys through to the NHL and, and keeps them out of it. Yeah, that's excellent and, and good for any of those, uh, you know, younger players hoping to make the National Hockey League. If you're listening to this, you know, you know, heed those words. You could be a Tim Thomas. You could enter the league at what was it, 30? Exactly. You went over to <laughs> Europe. He he established himself over there, played well, came back and won a Stanley cup. Yeah. Then he went a couple, did they have a couple or just one? Uh, I, I think he, he just ended up with one. Did, did he end up with the other? Was he, he was in net for 2011, right? He was in net for 2011 against Vancouver. Yeah. Um, he's at, he's got at least one, but I, that, there's an, another story of an, another option of getting there yeah. in, in his own way, just through, perseverance and hard work yeah absolutely 100 percent possible so well you know what matt we're gonna wrap this up here we appreciate you jumping on yet again so thank you absolutely thanks for having me no not a problem this is awesome we love having you on and that you you know you took the time out of your day to be able to jump on with us uh amongst all your other duties and responsibilities um you know we do appreciate it hey have a great one hockey fans this is pigeon hockey and we'll catch you next time